Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and it is always our goal, our desire, our responsibility to you to empower you, our listeners, to knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. We always invite you to do so. The best way you can do so by calling in on the number is 347-237-5230. That's the number you can call to get your thoughts, uh, opinions, insights on the air. Also, the chat room is live and open, so you can log in into the chat room and do the same thing there. We already have a couple of people in the chat room, so we're glad that you're there. We're glad that uh, the callers are on. We're, we're, we're excited about you this morning. And you can hit us up on our Facebook page, uh, the Pastor Neil's Zero Network on Facebook. Go there, like the page, subscribe to the show on blogtalkradio.com slash zero today. Follow us on Twitter at Prophesy. Hit me up on Gmail, uh, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. And however else you can find us, we are there. We're just excited to be here again. And, um, you know, it, it is it's always a joy and a wonder to come uh, into, the, into your homes uh, on the airwaves. So we're just excited. We have an exciting show today with a very special guest, someone who has been on our show before, but we thought it not robbery to have her back. We'll be talking uh, love and uh, romance addiction with Miss Susan Peabody. She's an author. She's a counselor, and um, she's going to be on later in the hour. We'll be talking about that subject, love and romance addiction, also uh, with her book and a couple of other things that she sponsors. So uh, she's ready, and we're ready to have her. And because it is 
after all, it is Valentine's Day, so <laughs> what better way to kick it off than to have uh, discuss a topic like that? So we're looking forward to that. But before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll have a discussion on some current topics. Father, we thank you for today. We bless you for being good to us and loving us the way you love us. Pray that you would bless the show as we go forth and let everything we do in our words and our hearts be acceptable in your sight. We pray. Amen. Well, there's a lot going on in the news today. And, uh, of course, uh, probably the biggest newsmaker is uh, the Winter Olympics in Sochi, Russia. I think I said that right. Sochi, Russia. And um, the states are... Uh, showing up and showing out. Uh, unfortunately, we're not as uh, winning as much as we had hoped, and the conditions over there, from what I've been reading and watching, is not as uh, as, as need be for Winter Olympics. But the athletes are still there, and they're representing their countries. And I had a good time. I, I watched the opening ceremony, and I really enjoy. I just enjoy seeing various countries, you know, the display of their pride for the country, at least in that arena. And, you know, the wonderful, uh, wonderful theatrics of the opening uh, of any Olympics, both winter and, and summer. But I, I had to laugh because uh, there was a slight malfunction uh, in the Sochi Winter Olympics opening. I think one of the rings didn't come on. and uh, So that was, that was one of the interesting things. But So uh, uh, wishing all the athletes there well as they compete to win a medal of any kind, gold, silver, or bronze. Whatever they bring home is, is just as good as it can get. So uh, send your thoughts and, uh, to those athletes from every country that they would be successful and represent their country. Uh, uh, another thing that has broke the news and has been getting a lot of airtime has been um, this college football player who has come out the closet as uh, being gay. Uh, Michael Sam, he plays for the University of Missouri, uh, Mizzou, uh, and he's a dominant player on the field, and he seems really aggressive, but just the other day he came out, not long, you know, came out and said that he uh, is gay, and uh, I personally, I, I I don't know why he did it, but it's not a big thing. But there have been concerns, uh, I'm, and I'm not sure if these are grounded. You know, these are well-grounded concerns for the NFL. Uh, one is the player's uncomfortability with a homosexual man, uh, openly homosexual man, in the locker room, and I'm like, you know, that. That isn't even that shouldn't even be the issue, you know. I go to the gym and I feel comfortable, and I don't care where those men and you know when I'm in the the men's room changing or I'm in the steam room, I, it doesn't bother me about their sexuality. I don't care about their sexuality. I, you know, we all got to get undressed to get dressed, you know, to go work out or to take a shower. So it's not a big deal, you know. Uh, and for those who may feel uncomfortable, well, they'll have to. I, I'm sure, quite sure they, they will adjust to it. The other question, and this is probably the biggest one, is regarding um, the the NFL and how will they receive him. Now, he has an advantage. He has an advantage because he came out before the draft. Uh, if he doesn't, and his lawyer talked about it and said that if he doesn't get drafted uh, any 
uh, or below seventh. Uh, so if he gets drafted like ninth, tenth, eleventh, or whatever, uh, then they're going to call discrimination. You know, they're going to see it as discrimination. I don't know how it is discrimination, but you know, in this is this crazy messed up world of ours. It, he has a case that if uh, some lawyer can win because you know they're seeing him, they're 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 establishing him as the first openly gay professional athlete, and, and this is twofold because one, he is he's openly gay. At least he's just announced that he's openly gay, and he's African American. So it, it's kind of a weird conjunction there and I don't even know if the conjunction is a good word to use but here you have this guy who's an athlete he's pretty good on the field he's also a, a good student and you know he he's well built and he's coming out as homosexual and he's black and so that opens up a whole new can of worms for the African American community because we, we still struggle just with the idea of homosexuality existing, <laughs> you know, much less, you know, accepting those who come out. We do. We do accept it, but it's reluctant. I mean, there's still, I've had, uh, you know, families that I've had to deal with as a pastor who are still finding it rather difficult to accept their children who have come out as, uh, you know, homosexual. Uh, some are still disowning them. It's hard to believe that here we are in the 24th, in the uh, 21st century, that that is still happening. But it is. And then there's those who, um, well, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to make this a political issue. I don't believe it has anything to do with politics. But there are those who will have you believe that it is a genuine political issue. I don't see that. And I don't see how anyone could make it a political issue. I think this young man had a lot of courage coming out. Uh, and I'm not, and for those of you who are listening, I'm, I'm not supporting homosexuality. Uh, if, if it sounds like it, then it sounds like it. But I think it, it does take a great deal of courage for him to come forward, you know. But at the same time, my my question is, why is, why are, the these these individuals and, and the collective group trying to really really make this another normal you know uh, accepted uh, and, and when I say that I mean you know they're billing him uh, for example when uh, the basketball athlete came out last year Collins and he came out and said that he was gay he was touted as the first professional athlete to come out as being gay. And then shortly after that, you had one of the um, one uh, professional football player uh, quit altogether because he was being bullied because of his homosexuality, and he quit. Uh, you know, and then you had another one who was killed because of homosexuality, and the, and the stories go on and on, and in some way they they give just cause to the argument for them to come out. Now, whether he'll face discrimination or not, I don't know. You know, they're all tough men in in, in professional sports. And, and, you know, there are a lot of undercover brothers in sports. We know this to be true. So, they, you know, some have waited decades to come out of the closet, while, you know, decades after their professional 
athletic career to come out the closet or to express, you know, whatever uh, sentiments they had regarding this. But I see it as a non-issue. I don't think, you you know, you have to come out. I can understand his concern, and, and he's young, and, and it's more acceptable to the younger generation than it is ever before. They don't see it as a problem, so they can't understand all the ruckus, huckus, and fuss about it. But just think about 20 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, you know, that wouldn't have uh, that would never have come to the. It would have destroyed his career had he done something like that. He wouldn't have scored a chance, and maybe that's what he was trying to prevent. You know, the fact that he may not have had a career. You know, who knows? Who, who knows? We don't know. Um, but what we what we do know is that he has opened a whole new can of worms in the debate about homosexuality in the African-American community. How are we going to deal with it? As pastors, how are we going to deal with it? You know, we're still facing members who are coming out and uh, members uh, or non-members, people who attend the church but don't want to join the church because they understand our stance regarding it, uh, a biblical understanding of it, not a civil, and I'm not dealing with the civil issue of uh, rights or anything of that nature. I'm dealing from a just, you know, spiritual, scriptural perspective. And, and don't come at me with uh, the, the typical scriptures because, you know, that that don't fly anymore, what you're using. Most of the scriptures that we, you know, use to argue against that don't fly. Uh, you need to have a little bit more, and that takes time, but... Hey, what do I know? <laughs> so it's going to be interesting as this year develops, as this, particularly as the NFL season develops, how how this young man's action uh, coming out will affect others. How will it affect the NFL? How will it affect uh, the players? How will it affect the younger athletes in middle school, high school, and college, uh, things of that nature? Uh, again, and particularly young blacks athletes, you know, uh, how will it affect? I, I don't know, but who am I? I'm, I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> but anyway, so that, that's the biggest news that's out there. And um, uh, I just thought I'd share. It is still Black History Month, and I uh, wanted to share a couple of Black History nuggets with you. And um, I'm, I'm going, I'm staying in the route um, of the church and I wanted to recognize a couple of the uh, historical figures of the church. The first that I'd like to recognize is Bishop Richard Allen, who is the uh, founding father of African Methodism, uh, having uh, banded together with others in 1787 and stood up against discrimination and injustice and uh, race at at the church, St. George's Church in Philadelphia, when they were at, kneeling to pray, the people got up, the whites got up and said, y'all need to leave. And they just asked, wait till we finish praying, and then we will disturb you no more. And they were pulling, the white people were pulling them up off, trying to force them off the altar from praying. And at that time, the brothers collectively, brothers and sisters collectively got up and left out of St. George's Church, leading to the first establishment of both a the first uh, the first Episcopal Black Episcopal Church and the first uh, 
African Methodist Episcopal Church in. And both of those legacies continue. Uh, on the 14th will be Richard Allen's um, 254th birthday. And it's going to be celebrated in the connection across um, across the connection with various ways. And it's also the recognition of the founding of this great Zion. So I'm, I'm rambling on. Let me move on. <laughs> we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be the, uh, joined with Miss Susan Peabody, and we'll be discussing love and romance addiction. So uh, we appreciate you for tuning in and staying, and we'll be back right after this. that you wish was fast? Turtle. Really? A turtle? Yeah. And what about you? I'd rather be a slow turtle. Well, mm. I know why. Because when you're slower, you won't have to get in the street as fast and get ran over. But if you're a slow turtle and you're in the middle of the street, what happens? Austin? Exactly. It's not complicated. Faster is better. And AT&T is the nation's fastest 4G LTE network. When we made our commitment to the Gulf, BP had two big goals. Help the Gulf recover and learn from what happened so we could be a better, safer energy company. I've been with BP for 24 years. As part of the team that helped deliver on our commitments to the Gulf, and I can tell you, safety is at the heart of everything we do. We've added cutting edge safety equipment and technology, like a new deep water well cap and a state of the art monitoring center where experts watch over all our drilling activity 24 seven. And we're sharing what we've learned so we can all produce energy more safely. Safety is a vital part of BP's commitment to America and to the nearly 250,000 people who work with us here. We invest more in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. Over $55 billion here in the last five years, making BP America's largest energy investor. Our commitment has never been stronger. Freestyle, a clear and evocative book by Pastor Michael Waters of Dallas, Texas, is available now. Viewing life through the lens of a Christian writer, Dr. Waters presents truths in the face of evil, pain, and uncomfortability. In his new book, Freestyle, pastor, professor, and motivational speaker Dr. Michael W. Waters provides a fresh perspective on issues that affect our communities. He's known as the hip-hop prophetic pastor. He is the founding pastor of Joy Tabernacle AME Church in Dallas, Texas. It's an urban ministry with a community concentration on justice and equality. Order your copy of Freestyle today on Amazon or any major book outlet and allow yourself to be empowered to change yourself, your perspective, and your world. That's Freestyle Pastor Michael W. Waters. Order it today. In football, is it better to be more reliable or less reliable? If they can count on you, you can play. But if you can't, you're on a bench. Bench warm is what my dad says. Oh, does your dad play football? No, but he watches it on the couch. Oh, so he's a couch warmer. 
I thought it was funny. It's not complicated. More reliable is better. And AT&T is the nation's fastest and now most reliable 4G LTE network. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Today, again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Today, we'll be discussing love and romance addiction, and I'm honored to have with me today a very, very special guest. She's been on our show before, and I'm glad to have her back. It's Miss Susan Peabody. Susan, are you there? Yes. Hello. Good morning, and I appreciate you. Uh, I know you're, it's early your time where you are, and I just want to say a thank you again for uh, coming back on the show and uh discussing this with us. Well, you're quite welcome. I'm glad to be here. And, you know, we've discussed it before, and um, love and romance addiction is is very little known about it. Often, few people who are experiencing it have no idea what they're going through, uh, why they are in that condition. You know, they fall in love over and over. They get heartbroken over and over. They have this repetitive pattern, and it keeps going and going. So, uh, Help enlighten my audience to to uh, what love and romance addiction is. Well, love addiction comes in many forms. Uh, one particular form uh, is uh, falling in love too quickly uh, and then becoming uh, obsessed uh, with the object of your desire. Usually these are people with low self-esteem, people who did not get their needs met as a child and are looking for a relationship to them fulfill them. I know uh, for Christians in particular, uh, the obsession takes the place of their uh, affection for God, and so it amounts to idolatry in a way, but they really can't help themselves because they... Uh, they are trying to make up for what they didn't get as a child. And they become preoccupied. Uh, first of all, they fall in love too quickly, and they don't discriminate on who they're falling in love with. They just are attracted to someone, usually the wrong type, uh, because they're trying to uh, uh, recreate their childhood scenario and, and say the daughter of an alcoholic will grow up to be attracted to alcoholics and so uh and then once they pick the wrong person they get overly involved they sacrifice their own needs they neglect their children and they just obsess uh everything goes out the window you know uh that that has meaning to them including their their faith you know in order to pursue uh this particular person now you have a book 
and it's been out for a while, and it's called uh, Love Addiction, Overcome, Addiction to Love, Overcoming Obsession and Dependency in Relationships. And I, you know, I have a copy of that book, and matter of fact, uh, to the listener who, uh, to one lucky listener, they'll be able to get a copy um, if they leave uh, either a, uh, uh, a comment about the show, what they got from it, or what they, uh, in the site on the show, either on the Facebook page or send it to an email or chat. We'll get them a copy of this book. So just let you know that. <laughs> uh, oh, now, that's great. Let's let's talk about this book. Um, you you go into a, a, a quite a bit of detail, and of course, it's from a Christian perspective. So I appreciate that that you uh, allowed it to be written from a Christian perspective, and not just from a psycho uh, psychotherapist perspective. So let's talk about well, the form. Well, let me clarify. Okay, let go me ahead. clarify that. I have a chapter in the book written for Christians, but the rest of the book is a self help book. But I do okay. address the needs, the special needs of Christians in one of my chapters. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that. So let's talk about the many forms of love addiction uh, or addiction in general yeah. uh, or, and the well, symptoms. Okay. The typical love addict I've already described. She falls in love too quickly. She gets in over her head uh, with the wrong person. And then when she's rejected, uh, she becomes obsessive trying to make contact uh, with the person. Uh, she looks at his Facebook every day to see what he's doing. She, uh, she calls, emails. She's desperate to make contact, and she's unwilling to let go. She finds that when she lets go, she's in so much pain that she can't handle it, and so she goes back to trying to fix the problem, which is getting back together with the person that is is rejecting her. And uh, even if she's not being rejected, uh, she may be in a codependent relationship with someone who is... Uh, who she's doing too much for. She's uh, being neglected in, or abused in the relationship, and she just can't let go. She's trying to uh, support the person or buy his love. Sometimes that's a, a symptom. Uh, but basically she just does everything uh, that, that, that she can in order to be with somebody. Now I'm sure this can apply to, to guys too, right? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, there's not as many male codependents as, as women, and codependency is a kind of, of love addict. Uh, the codependent love addict is uh, a little bit different than the classic love addict because they're usually in a relationship. Uh, they haven't been rejected, but they're trying too hard, and uh, they will do things that uh, that the person they're in love with wants them to do. You know, uh, they often go against their basic values. If their partner says, don't go to church anymore, they stop going to church, you know, and and uh, they give up the things that are most precious to them in order to make this person happy. Now, in your book, you talk about symptoms of... of um of uh, love addiction, and one of the symptoms you talk about is fantasizing. Uh, now, I, I, you know, I know everybody when they're a kid, they experience it, they experience the warm butterflies, and sometimes that that uh, goes over as they that rolls over into their adulthood, 
and they, they expect, uh, expect to experience those same type of emotions and feelings for, uh, for someone that they are attracted to or romantically, uh, I guess, they fall in love with. Now, you mentioned um, excessive fantasizing. And I know you talked about it. I know you touched on it. But um, what what is the difference between just thinking about them and excessively fantasizing over a person? Well, before you meet somebody, uh, let me say, let me go back a little first. Uh, children who are unhappy and lonely often find an outlet in fantasizing about growing up and living happily ever after. Uh, and a lot of women in particular fantasize about love and romance. Uh, they they live in the future because they're so unhappy in their in their present life. And uh, then when they grow up, uh, they continue uh, to fantasize. And now everyone has a life before they fall in love. And uh, but love addicts, once they're in love, their their whole life gets abandoned, uh, and uh, they start fantasizing the moment they meet somebody and are attracted to them, they start fantasizing about this is the one I've been waiting for, you know. And uh, up to this point, they might have been had a really healthy relationship with Jesus Christ, and they abandon that in order to spend all of their time thinking about this man. So when your fantasies interrupt your regular routine, when you stay home from work to fantasize, when you uh, have an accident with the car because you're daydreaming, that's when you're going too far. When the fantasies take over uh, reality and you live in your fantasies, that's fantasizing too much. All right. So uh, I've been there before. I, I know about um, codependent relationships doing too much. As a pastor, I've, I've, you know, I've often had to catch myself because I was building those codependent relationships where the need to be needed, you know, as a pastor, yeah. I always got to be helping someone. And I saw that kind of yeah. rolling if over. If I love to, you, will you love me back? You know, yeah. um, codependent, sorry to interrupt, but codependents oh, no, no. try to buy love. They have an ideology that if I help you, you will be grateful. And then they fantasize that, that gratefulness will become you know, uh, that gratitude will become a, a romantic relationship. But what really happens when you do too much for people, they bite the hand that feeds them. And we don't understand why, but this is what happens when you do too much for a person. Yeah, exactly. Now, you uh, you have your, your website, A Brighter Tomorrow, and a couple other websites, um, Brightertomorrow.net. .net. Thank you. Um, now, you list different types of love addicts. So can you break down the different type of, of addicts, romance and love addicts? Uh, well, I've already discussed the classic love addict. That's someone who obsesses, right. uh, you know, and, and the worst case scenario would be that she stalks uh, of the person that's rejected her. And then the, the the codependent love addict is the one who's, you know, uh, actually in a relationship that they do too much for their partner. And the third kind of love addict is somebody that uh, 
love somebody uh, from uh, the past for years and years and years, and I call them a torchbearer because uh, these are the people who are still in love with their high school sweetheart, even though they're married and have children, they're still carrying a torch for someone that they were in love with, you know, in high school or 20 years ago, you know. And uh, those are the three basic types. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I, I used to always believe that, uh, well, I still, I guess I still do to a degree, that, you know, there's always a chance for reconnection with the high school lover. <laughs> you see oh, it in yeah. movies. That, well, you're like, a torchbearer then. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it's, it's just funny to me. I mean, I think about the movie like Yours, Mine, and Ours. and, and <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's one thing to think about it, and if you think about it and dismiss it as, you know, unrealistic, then that's normal. But when you try to find the person and you leave your wife in order to be with that person, that's when you're talking about love addiction. Oh, I feel you on that one. But look, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back from the break, I want us to, I want you to discuss a little bit about recovering from addiction. How, How is that possible? And, um, we'll get into some other things from that. Is that right? Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. My listeners, it is officially last minute. It is officially your last chance to order anything for Valentine's Day delivery. If you want it there on Friday, that means you need to be doing it now. And if you can't go to your local flower shop, if they're backed up or, you know, you just can't do it, I recommend that you go to proflowers.com. Yes, proflowers.com. They have some of the best deals uh, that you can get today. For example, you can get an always and forever flower with vase and roses for $39.99, or you can get some love letter flowers for $59.99. Or if you know, you're on a budget, you know, just you can't afford too much, yeah, they got plenty of things for you. Uh, bouquet of roses beginning at $29.99 or $19.99 for a simple thing. Whatever you want to do, you can do it at proflowers.com. And now listen, if you need a break on your on your page, you know, in your pocketbook, well, go to the right hand of the corner, hit the radio button and put in Zira, and you may get a nice little discount. But you need to do it today. Go to proflowers.com or call them 1-800-580-2913. That's 1-800-580-2913. That's proflowers.com. I'm telling you, you need to do it. You need to hurry up because somebody's waiting on your gift. So try them out today. Jackson State University is not just another university. It's a community. It's a family. And that's not all. Jackson State University is a national leader in biomedical research and development. With world-class science, math, engineering, and technology departments. At Jackson State University, we're leading the way in technology and innovation. One Jackson State University, changing lives one student at a time. 
I need you. I feel so alone. But you're not alone. I knew you'd come. Like I could stay away. You know I can't do this without you. You'll never have to. You're always there for me. I'll get you a rental car. Don't use an umbrella. Fall in love with Progressive's Claim Service. What's something that's slow that you wish was fast? Turtle. Really? A turtle? Yeah. And what about you? I'd rather be a slow turtle. Well, mmm. I know why. Because when you're slower, you won't have to get in the street as fast and get ran over. But if you're a slow turtle and you're in the middle of the street, what happens? Austin? Exactly. It's not complicated. Faster is better. And AT&T is the nation's fastest 4G LTE network. I wasn't born to push papers. I was born to push myself. To go where I'm needed. To keep this country safe. I was born with the backbone and brain power to take on any mission. This is my office. I was born ready. GoCoastGuard.com Welcome back to Zero Gay today. I uh, can't even talk. Uh, again, it's Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I'm joined by my great host, uh, Miss Susan Peabody. She's the author of <clears throat> Addiction to Love, uh, Overcoming Obsession and Dependency in Relationships. She's a counselor. She's also um, a writer. Oh, duh. I just said that. <laughs> but um, she's joining with and we're discussing the topic of love and romance addiction. And um, before we went to break we were we were discussing the types of uh love ad- love addicts uh traits of love addicts symptoms of love addicts and uh and now susan i i'd like to get into a discussion about how can an individual who may be dealing with love addiction if they if they're now aware of it how can they overcome it how can they recover from that so can you give us some 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 steps okay well the first step is to recognize that you have a problem I've gotten a lot of emails from people uh, who said they happened to see my book in the library or at the bookstore and they discovered for the first time that they were a love addict. And I have a list of questions to help you determine if you're a love addiction, if you have love addiction. So the first step is to really understand that you have a problem. A lot of people feel in, if they're in an unhappy marriage that the problem is with their husband. And sometimes it is. But his problem is is not relevant. It's 
the fact that you're in the relationship and that you're suffering and that you're loving too much and you're obsessed and you're addicted. That's the issue you have to focus on and uh, cut your partner out of the equation. So once you admit that you have a problem and that the problem is love addiction, then the next step is to reach out for help. And they have discovered that addicts thrive in a group setting. One-on-one therapy is good to help you understand why you're a love addict. It will go into the roots of, of your childhood and find out what went wrong. You suffered some kind of trauma, and now you're looking for love to replace what you didn't get as a child. And uh, the therapist is good for that. But to actually recover from love addiction, you need a group model. And they have... Uh, I co-founded uh, a group called Love Addicts Anonymous, and there's also Codependence Anonymous and Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Uh, and the group uh, is going to help you uh, understand more about the addiction. Uh, on If people want to email me at susanpeabody at gmail.com, I can refer them to a message board in which they can learn more about love addiction and reach out to other people. So once you're in a support group setting, you have to go into what we call withdrawal and have absolutely no contact with the person that uh, you're trying to get away from. If you're in a marriage, then uh, you stay. You can stay in the marriage and, and try to resurrect it, but you have to change your behavior and start being a little selfish and taking care of yourself, uh, then uh, the biggest obstacle for love addicts is self-esteem. They almost always uh, have low self-esteem. And so I have a chapter in my book about how to build up self-esteem. And once you have self-esteem, you just naturally take care of yourself and you don't have to do too much for others in order to feel good about yourself. And most of all, uh, you have to uh, get a better sense of, of what a healthy modern relationship is all about. This is where Christians get a little confused. They read in the Bible, turn the other cheek, and they think that means that they have to do that within the marriage. Now, certainly it's good to be a peacemaker and to end a potentially violent situation by turning the other cheek on a one-time basis, but it doesn't mean that you allow your husband to beat you every day and, and for you to continue to stand by him. And so I think the Bible, in trying to help us be good Christians, really doesn't address the needs, uh, the difference between a healthy marriage and, and turning the other cheek. And well, I'm glad that you brought that up because um, it, there are there are a lot of people in the church who are suffering silently from yeah. from this, and, and the church has no uh, there is no teaching, there's no doctrine about it or how to go about. It. And a lot of pastors I know up until I started uh, learning uh, and went to school for training to be a counselor, uh, I was unaware of a lot of the deficiencies that I had as a pastor to to when I encountered people yeah. like this. Yeah. Well, there's a pastor named James Dobson who wrote a book, Love Must Be Tough, and he says if you don't respect a woman, you know, uh, then uh, 
you uh, have a right to leave. If you're being battered, you have a right to leave because he says if a, if a woman doesn't uh, stand up for herself, then her husband doesn't respect her, and if he doesn't respect her, he can't love her. But also, the, there is a message to uh, Jesus did speak of this, but he spoke cryptically. He said there is a condition for divorce, and that is adultery. Now, most people think adultery means, you know, uh, 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 an affair outside of the relationship. But if you explore the history of the word uh, 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 adultery it means to be unfaithful to your vows to be a good husband it has a broader meaning than just uh, sex outside of the relationship and so we do have an out if we're Christian women and I have a whole ch- whole chapter in my book addressing the special needs of Christians who are in as you said suffering silently because they're in a relationship and in which they're not being loved and respected and uh you know and and a man you know is told to lead his wife but he's not told to beat her up or dominate or or sap of her, sap her her feeling of, of goodness about herself he's not supposed to take that away from her you know to and so he needs to uh to be a good husband before he deserves a good wife and and so women have to get past this need that that uh i think the remember the old song stand by your man you know that's that's rooted you know in in the christian doctrine and and there's some things that we don't do anymore like we don't wear veils we don't have to have long hair and and i think putting up with uh uh you know with the with a man who who is not you know a good husband is is one of the things that that have changed about the biblical message that we do have a right to ask for more. So let's let's discuss that a little bit more. Um, um, how how does what role does spirituality, uh, scripture, prayer, and all any other spiritual discipline? What role does that play in recovery for love addicts? Well, what I did because I'm a recovering love addict. And what I did is when I was trying to not love too much and not to obsess about someone, that I was actually, I decided that that was actually idolatry and that I put my love for Christ on the back burner in order to make this person the most important thing in our lives, you know. And the most important things in our lives should be our love for Christ and then after that our love for ourselves and then after that our 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 family and uh the uh the obsession you know kind of cancels out our love for Christ it dominates it pushes aside what should be the most important thing in our lives you know which is which is Christ and so i just started writing the poems that I used to write to men. I started writing them to Christ when I listened to hymns on the radio. And, you know, uh, they substituted the romantic songs. And so if I were listening to uh, a romantic song, I would pretend I was singing that to Christ. And so I literally transferred the obsession, you know, uh, to the proper venue, which is our Lord and Savior. And then later... You know, uh, I even had a poem about 
waiting for my 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 it was called the awaited suitor and uh and in the poem it was it was about a woman who was waiting for a man to come along and to her surprise discovered that her awaited suitor was Christ you know and so these kind of things you know got me out of the obsession and then eventually i remarried but someone who didn't trigger my uh my love addiction awesome now I, you know you you brought up about the interchanging and re, uh changing the lyrics to from uh a, a man or woman to to christ um you know, i i i think about the the songs of solomon the song of Son, the book of song of songs and how erotic that book is but how all overall overwhelmingly romantic it is at the same time um yes. so but that's so, what love addicts have to do because love addicts are overly romantic and they just have to, to make Christ the one that they're in love with. And, and, you know, at first I was embarrassed, you know, and everyone said, oh, do you want to be a nun? And I said, well, what's wrong with nuns, you know? But philosophers have been writing about an erotic relationship with Christ. You know, listen to that song in the garden. I'm sorry I interrupted. Go ahead with your thoughts. No, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. Well, it's it's just that it's so easy, you know, uh, to use. I I really believe that, you know, the people that talk about romantic love, the movies and the songs, that they've stolen from Christ his due. And they've made romantic love, you know, worldly and between man and woman because of sexual attraction. You know, it's easy to confuse sexual attraction with romance. And so we have to make a concerted effort. And we mustn't be embarrassed if we sing in the garden and imagine ourselves with Christ. Even men can do that, you know. But men worry so much about homosexuality that they don't want to have a love affair with Christ. You know, And yet that's what we're called to do according to – go ahead. I said, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was my train of thought as you were mentioning that. You know, from a male perspective, eroticism is always feminine, and we don't equate mm-hmm. it with, you know, uh, for so for but, a guy like me, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm a recovering codependent. I, yeah. I may have had that that uh, love addiction quality. I, I'm not sure, but I definitely know I'm recovering codependent. For a guy okay. like me who wants to have a romantic relationship but finds it rather difficult to to transfer well, or trans, transfer that yeah, type of... Yeah, because that's, your, that's because you're imagining the historical Christ. The historical Christ was male, and so you don't want to be in love with another man. But Christ was much more than a, a man. He was God, and God has no gender. And also... You know, I uh, I picture the historical Christ because I'm a woman, but a man has to see Christ as androgynous. He was very feminine. The androgynous male, you know, often has a high degree of femininity. He was very exactly. kind and loving right the way women are. So imagine that you're in love with the Holy Spirit, who's a woman. I mean, and, who figures? And, and actually, you know, when you when you go into the ancient languages, that is the the Holy Spirit is is very feminine. Uh, most yeah. of the nouns that 
that are used to describe him in the New Testament are feminine nouns. And, yeah, and from that exactly. perspective from that perspective it's very easy to connect uh romantically. But you know, you know, we still this Well I believe the Holy Spirit is female. I know it's radical, but why would we have a Trinity with three male figures? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. There has to be a feminine entity in in the Trinity. He has to take on the form of a woman in some aspect, whether it be the Holy Spirit or an androgynous historical Christ or whatever, you know. But I'm just saying men should allow themselves these feelings and just keep them private. i got someone in the chat room uh, that's, that's asking the question, if Christ was feminine, uh, why, let me, me just read this right. If Christ was feminine, why are so many men afraid to show emotions when they're in relationships? I, I don't know what that has to do with Fear. <laughs> Fear? I, well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I'll tell, the, tell the listener to read a book called Real Boys. Real Boys. And it explains that men are indoctrinated by their mothers to be only masculine, and to suppress their feminine side. Children are very androgynous. They have a feminine side, but the mothers just don't like it. They're uncomfortable. They don't want their little boys to grow up to be gay, and so they kind of exercise that part of them. And a man has to recapture that as an adult by reading some of the books about the Catholic. St. John of the Cross was in love with Christ, and he talks about that. And I read the books by Teresa Villa and, and some of the Soren Kierkegaard, you know, uh, and, and some of the others, yeah. you know, will talk about, you know, and, and certainly look at uh, look at the relationship between Christ and John. This is the one, the beloved. This is who Christ loved. Exactly. You mentioned some Twelve great Twelve male disciples. Think about it. At least listed. <laughs> 12, 12, We're 12 getting a little radical here. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, you're talking to a radical pastor, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the point about uh, the feminine uh, and the things of that nature. Because I, I, I'm with you on this, uh, and as a counselor, uh, as a as a pastoral counselor, uh, I, I do realize that that plays a lot in with romantic. You know, the men are taught. Uh, in the Western world, the men are taught to completely disavow any feminine uh, yeah. tendencies, romantic tendencies, you know. So yeah. when we fall in love, we, we don't show romantic, we don't do the romantic gestures. Or when if we are experiencing codependency, then that's just us being the man showing the woman that we can provide and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, you and, know, we, I, and we go overboard. The, the only people who go overboard when it comes to love are the people that aren't loving Christ properly. They're not dividing their love between spouse and Christ. And Because if Christ is getting his share, then they won't be loving too much with a person. All right. I understand. Well, we've got a few more minutes. I want you, uh, in this last couple of minutes, I want you to tell us a little bit more about what you do as a counselor. Tell us about other ventures that you have. And I want, again, reiterate uh, to any listener that sends a message or a comment either on the uh, on the uh, 
the Facebook page or email to me or Twitter or however you do it. We're going to send you a copy of uh, Addiction to Love. And I also got a special, uh, I, I got another one I want to give out to another listener. Um, if, you, if you do so, uh, I have a book called Relationship Rules uh, uh, by uh, Janice Roberts, uh, I mean uh, Janice Hoffman. And I'm going to send that out to a listener too. It's a hey, it's the week of love, so why not give? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So go ahead. Well, this there's is... a good book for Christians too called "Love Must Be Tough" by James Dobson. Yes, James That's Dobson. A good book. If yeah. I find it, I what might I be do is I, too. <laughs> what I do is I fly all over the world. I'm actually next month. I'm going to Switzerland to uh, to work with somebody for uh, a couple of weeks. So, uh, and then here at home, I, I counsel people uh, mostly over the phone, and I work at a treatment center for love addicts called Five Sisters Ranch. I go up there to lead workshops about self-esteem, uh, you know, because after you've gotten out of the relationship, you have to continue to work on yourself, especially building self-esteem. And so I believe, you know, that classes and books and, and self-help material can help. And uh, a lot of books uh, about uh, love addiction are, uh, I think a book called Addicted to Love is by Atterburn. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's a Christian book. My book has a chapter on Christianity, but it's a good explanation of love addiction. His book uh, is specific to Christians. I'd like to recommend that. But uh, I just work with people. I've been in recovery for love addiction for 31 years and also for alcoholism, and I attend uh, 12-step programs. There's one for Christians called Celebrate Recovery, and uh, whatever addiction you have, you you work in this group at your church. So people can establish that program at their church if they have this problem. But everybody who's suffering needs to reach out for help and educate themselves as to what this addiction is. If my website has instructions for contacting me, brightertomorrow.net, if you want to set up a session. Uh, and also, if you email me, I can give you uh, directions to the message board where you can uh, meet other love addicts online. So that's what I do, and it's it's very fulfilling. It uh, it builds my self esteem, which was pretty low when I first started, you know. And then when people reach the later stages of recovery, they they help people who've come behind them. That's a very important part of recovery to make amends by helping uh, newcomers. Okay. And so so uh, so. If you're listening and you feel or you're, you're, you're concerned about this uh, condition, you may be, you may think you're a, you're a love addict or romance addict or a sex addict, whatever it may be. Uh, visit the website, um, and there are plenty of other resources that she's mentioned. Uh, sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, Love Addicts Anonymous. Uh, we want to make sure that you are empowered to have a rewarding life as Christ promised that he came to give you life and life more abundantly. Susan, thank you again for being a guest. We're out of time, and I appreciate you for being on again. And uh, uh, It's another wonderful learning environment. So thank you again. Well, thank you for having me. All right. I've really enjoyed talking to you. You do I, a good I, service. 
I appreciate it. And I learned so much, and I'll be contacting you (laughs) (laughs) to be empowered myself. All right. right. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes, go ahead. Could I make one quick point? Uh, Sex addiction is different than love addiction. You don't want to combine the two. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, that's it for today. Have a good day. You have a good one. Uh, uh, to all my listeners, if you missed this show live, you can catch an archive broadcast of it on blogtalkradio.com slash Sierra Today. Download the iTunes. Uh, download the, uh, on iTunes and any other area. And uh, make, sh- make sure you subscribe to the show, like the page on Facebook and everything. And this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Thank you for a wonderful day. Everybody have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Until then, until next week, God bless you.